Hi, and welcome to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast, where we share positive stories and suggestions about finding hope, resources, and connections to help us all get through hard times. I'm Karen Sullivan, a mom, an author, and a stage four cancer patient who's always looking around me for inspiration. I believe in surrounding myself with people and experiences that make me smile. And that's what I'm hoping to do for you today. So grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and let's get started. I am so excited to introduce you to Nita Berry, a seasoned 25-year veteran working in the professional sports industry. Nita is not only the faculty chair of the sports and entertainment program at Grand Canyon University, she's also the co-founder of Breaking Barriers, an education platform committed to leveling the playing field, eliminating implicit bias and racism, and empowering others to utilize their voices for change. Now, I've known Nita since our 20s, working for the NBA and WNBA, and I can attest that she is a high-powered and hard-working woman in all areas of her life. While she's a dynamic force at work, I am sure she's also a loving and committed mother on and off the soccer field and home. Professor Barry, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. That introduction was humbling. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, as I mentioned to you earlier, and as uh, I'll tell the, the listeners now, is as I'm doing research while we work together, over 20 years ago, it's been a long time. And because now there's so much with social media, I'm, I'm doing a little deep dive in her. And it was so heartwarming when I was reading the Rate My Professor and the <laughs> things that people were saying about her. And by the way, it wasn't only the kids that got A's. Like there was somebody, there, some people put their grades, some people don't. And someone who had like a B plus was saying like, they learn so much from you. You're very dynamic. You, uh, you're very well connected and that you taught them a lot how to not just like do the job, but to think about how to be a better person. And I think that's what's so beautiful. And like knowing you the way I did years ago, I'm not surprised at all of this. Uh, but on the same note, I think coming from a place where we were raised in the sports industry and it's a place that tends to be like I didn't, it's not that I didn't have a voice early on, whether it was my age, whether it was being from the generation I am, or whether it was the mentors that, that meant really well and taught me in one way, I evolved to not necessarily be as outspoken as I think that the generation today is finding their own voice. So I guess I want to jump in and I want to ask you, what was it? that made you kind of turn the switch to decide that you really now wanted to empower others to find their own voices? You know, it's interesting because I, there, there's a saying that I always say to the point now, I know I say it a lot because my kids repeat it. Um, and it's, we got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And I say that a lot, but here's the, here's the irony is you and I know being a, a woman in a male dominated industry um, for years and years in professional sports is we learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable without saying that. It was just what you did, right? Like you know your role, um, you know, work harder, be a mom, go grocery shopping, but work a full-time job and make sure you're fit and figure out where you're going to work out even if it's at three in the morning, because while all this is going on, you know, 
your husband is taking the car to get the car washed and you've just done 85 things in between, right? So I learned that so early on, but now it's really like a slogan for me that I tell everyone, if you can get comfortable being uncomfortable or a step ahead in your growth. And part of that means teaching others, whether they're students, whether they're your kids, is you and I don't have to agree, but we need to learn to see each other's perspective. And that is something that I feel was my sweet spot and my kind of, I always say my superpower when I was in professional sports and allowed me to have longevity in sports, but also really make a difference when dealing with athletes was seeing their perspective, understanding them as people first and second, you know, so-and-so the all-star, so-and-so the NBA or WNBA champion was seeing them for who they were. And it actually is what propelled me to get my second master's in psychology, because I feel when you understand people at their core, you connect on a completely different level. And the beauty of that is in today's world, people leave people, not jobs. People go places because of their connection, not because the co- the company's great because of the culture, as we say now, right? Like right. the culture sucked back then. You had no choice. You should be happy you have a job and you're you're growing. Just deal with it. Um, now it, it is about people. And so to me, I've always, I think I did a lot of things without knowing what they were. And now I'm able to articulate that in a way um, and kind of thought on to, you know, even I say whether just my kids, but my students, this generation of, you know, um, GCU at GCU, it's, you know, prior to that, I taught at ASU um, students is, hey, your soft skills are actually more valuable than your hard skills. Because when you're going into those entry level jobs and you're interviewing, the reality is it's a chemistry check. No one's expecting you to come in and be a brain surgeon. They want to know, can I have a conversation with you? What kind of human are you? Um, Do you have empathy? Those are characteristics that they're looking for. And are you going to be, are you going to mesh with our culture? I mean, I see that for the truth. I, I'd like to believe that back when we started out our careers in our twenties, that there was this fit, there was this connection, but the world is different now. The way technology has us so connected there's you know there's definitely some things that we can roll our eyes with and we can struggle with but there's a lot of beauty that has come to the table too in pushing people beyond their comfort zone right as well as figuring out who they are in a different way back when we were maybe it was in school and early on in our careers it was very much about being who they wanted you to be now there's so much talk out there of Figure, you know, try and figure out who you are. Know that you evolve because who, who, who I was in my 20s and not who I am now and who they will, are now and who will be is different. But can you talk a little bit about as you're talking to younger generations, you know, or hey, parents that are listening that have the younger generations, like what advice is it to these students and to the younger generation in trying to, you're, you're breaking into a, the sports industry or a work field, mm-hmm. how do you stay true to yourself and figure out your way in a culture? No, that's a great question. And I think there it, there's multiple parts to it, right? So first and foremost, I, I kind of go rogue in my teaching a little bit, which I think is probably what students like because they're expecting some like older stuffy person that come in and tell them, read the book. We got to do this. Chapter five says where I'm like, hey, 
the book says this, but this is what really takes place, right? I think a few things. Kids today, and I say kids, I mean college students as parents, kids growing up, teenagers, young adults, they have 10 times the pressures we had. We didn't have social media. We weren't in a fishbowl. We weren't having our picture, our outfit, our fits, as so to speak, um, where we went, who we hung with on display 24 hours, right? Like the most instant thing we had was a Polaroid camera. And that was a physical picture, you <laughs> out, right? Which we are now back in trend. Um, your idea of blocking someone was putting the phone off the hook when they called you and they got a busy signal. That was blocking. You know, if you... Um, wanted to remove them off of your so-called social, the closest to that was taking a black pen to your yearbook and Xing out their picture. Like those are old school methods, right? Now our kids are, the demands on them are nuts. And so I always say to my students, I'm like, listen, you're a freshman, sophomore, maybe even a junior, because my, my, my area is in the college of business, Colangelo College of Business. If you don't know what you want to do yet, that is okay. I didn't find my path until I hit graduate school. What is this pressure that as soon as I'm a junior in high school, I have to know what I want to go study in college, what I want to do in college, where I'm going to get a job. And then when I get a job, who am I going to marry? Where, where are the kids coming from? Like that, we don't need that. It's going to happen. Your time is your time. And sometimes, not sometimes, usually I tell my students, if you can figure out what are you really good at? What's your superpower? And what are you really passionate about? And that intersection is where you're going to thrive. So take your skills of what you're good at and what are you passionate about and find that intersection. And then it becomes in a way that's like bite-sizable and understandable for them. So that's, I think, the first thing. And I think the second thing is, um, and you know this about me from as long as we've known each other, is incorporate humor. You know, like there are times where I know my my students are like, you know, they're expecting me to go off or my kids are expecting me to like to just check. And I just turn it into a moment of humor because the world isn't ending. Right. And failure is a part of life. So let's figure out, figure that out, accept that it doesn't take away from who you are. It, it's about how do you bounce back from that? Well, and that is key in so many areas of hardship, whether it is, and that's what I continue to hear from guests that are on this podcast or what I've experienced myself, is that you're going to hit failure, you're going to hit hard times, and, and and maybe our parents and grandparents knew this and it's just presented differently now because we've got all the technology to really bring the message out there that you learn from your mistakes. You learn when times are easy. You can have a fun time with it. But it may or may not be as meaningful as when you actually break through with something that was really hard and you see what your real colors are. So I, I think that's great advice. Now, speaking of, of breaking barriers here is you started this foundation and how is this aligned with how you live your life? I guess one, which sounds very, you know, very aligned, but also you know, why did you decide, it sounds like you have the ability to teach the upcoming generations as well as the legacy of your own kids. Why did you decide to make it bigger and to actually create a nonprofit? 
So Breaking Barriers has a nonprofit arm and it's also um, an LLC company as well. So when this has always been since I was in sports, again, just goes back to understanding the athlete, understanding people at the core, seeing people's perspectives through their eyes, not what the media said they are or who they are, not the spin the media has put on them. But did you hear this person say this, right? Um, which now the 24-hour media cycle has taken that to another level. Um, and then we went into right before COVID, you know, the incidents of George Floyd, what we call the awakening and all of these things that in actuality were always happening, but it's a whole different spin when you have a phone, a video camera, videotaped, all that, right? So I felt very compelled at that time to do something more. And one of the things that I Obviously, my students are business students, sports and entertainment, uh, business degree students, but students as a whole, you know, you were hearing these terms like inclusivity, diversity and inclusion. And to be honest with you, people don't understand those terms. They really don't. And it was like, you know what? This next generation needs to be able to be a part of that conversation because it's no longer when we talk about cause marketing, it's no longer should a company invest in cause marketing? If they don't, their company is not going to basically attract the next generation of people going into the workforce, which is my kids, your kids, you know, those a little bit even older and definitely young. Well, isn't it interesting that back when, when we started our career, when something big would happen in the world, a lot of companies would not necessarily, they would, they would like shut their mouths. They mm -hmm. would keep silent about it. And it's taken a full swing so that these companies do have a stance because they've got power and influence. And I say that in a way that gives you the opportunity to ignite change. For sure. And, and so the part for us with Breaking Barriers, the first phase of it, was not to say, hey, go do this three-hour platform and you're not going to be racist anymore or you're not going to be, a, you know, sexist or ageist, whatever it is that are your, you know, isms. The point was to understand it because if you, if, if I'm going, if I'm a 19-year-old and I'm interviewing for an internship or if I'm a 22-year-old going for a job and I say, you know, I took this course with Breaking Barriers, the person on the other end is going to ask me what that is because they're going to have no idea. The simple fact that I can have a conversation and have a seat at the table engaging in a conversation that another student is not puts me ahead. That's it. It, it, it allows me to be culturally sensitive. It allows me to think before I speak. And just little basics that make a difference. I was just in a meeting with kind of higher ups, so to speak, and they were talking about inclusivity. And they were like, well, you know, we've tried or we've been in a room to do this. And it's like, time out. It has to be intentional. This is no longer I walk in a room with everyone white and say, well, I gave it a try. There's no, you know, there's no diversity. It's not like that. It's, and it's also not getting people into positions that aren't qualified. No one's saying to do that. But we are bringing through a generation that is culturally sensitive. They're a melting pot. They care about doing good. They want to do good. They want to be good people. And you know what? Good for them that they ask about work-life balance because we didn't have 
the audacity to do that. We actually thought it would make us be bad people if we asked for more time off. They're, they've changed these companies into unlimited paid time off, unlimited this, which the research also shows, guess what? The companies that are doing that, they're working less time off than those that have two weeks off. So I like to think that despite all the bad labels that you know, kind of our next generation is getting that they're actually really at the core good and they want to do good. So let's be those leaders for them that give help them give them a voice. We don't silence them. And guess what? When they're going rogue, we straighten them. You know, um, real quick story. So my husband is, you know, he grew up in Dallas, preacher's kid, respect big, big, big for him. Like that's always you say, your husband. This is your husband. Yeah. Respect yeah. is big. You say, yes, ma'am. No, sir. Um, it's just how we operate, right? Well, when I'm in the teaching world, I'm getting, you know, I have one class that has 98 students. That's 98 families that are coming into my classroom and how they've been raised, right? So I had a student come up and literally had a piece of paper and he was like, hey, can you can you take this for me? Literally out of his mouth, right? Where some people will be super offended, right? And I look at every opportunity as a teaching moment. And I said to him, I said, I'm not really sure who you're talking to, but let's let's rewind and, and replay that situation again. He kind of looked at me and he said, Professor Barry, um, do I turn this into you? Literally flipped. And that was what he said. And I said, much better. I said, yes, you do. So fast forward to, you know, we're four and a half weeks into class now, this semester. And he came up to me before class. Um. And he said he had to leave early. Um, he had to leave, like class was over at 2.45. He's like, I have to leave at 2.15 today because um, he's a student athlete, had something, something he had to do. And I said, I appreciate you letting me know. I said, I find it interesting. He came and told me, I feel privileged. He said, well, you taught me very early on, you don't play. So I thought that was kind of funny, but it's like, hey, teach them how to do it right because we, you are then a part of the process and that makes him better. He now knows when he goes in for a job, how he talks with his, you know, coworker or his boss or his mentor, whomever, there's a different, there's a different way you approach it. And he's better because of it, you know, instead of, you know, I'm writing this kid off because, you know, he hated me. I like that. I, and I think so, this generation is so whether they're staying at home by themselves, they're still kind of surrounded by these virtual people. And I would largely assume that's a, their peer group. Yeah, I mean, when we went out, that was what it was with our peer right. group. We weren't For with sure. multi-generations when you get to be that age. And so I can see where these kids would just come in and be like, try and play. Yeah. Even though that's that's the way you, you play with your friends. Right. But it's not the way you play with a boss right? because you're probably not going to get the job. And so you doing that, it's not that you were setting him straight, but you were helping show him. And, and you actually, and, and that was kind of the beauty. You didn't just tell him, don't do that. You're just actually had him rewind, rethink and try it over again. And then when he found it was successful, you helped him grow. Right. And 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 that's really cool because no matter where we are as we're moving forward, we're going to be dealing with multi-generations, whether it's in the workforce, which often happens, or perhaps in the community. So that that to me is, is I love that story. Yeah. And the flip side of it is, you know, people are always like, oh, your students are so lucky to have you or, you know, 
just different things with my kids' sports teams. But the reality is we are learning as much from them. What's different, I think, about our generation versus like what I call the boomers, because that's my mom's. And when my kids try to say boomer to me, I'm like, I am not a boomer. Please stay in your lane. Okay, <laughs> do not call me that. But is that our parents were not quick to say, I'm sorry, or I'm wrong, or we'll do it a different way. It was their way. That is how we did it. That's how we moved on. Our generation is more of, okay, I'm sorry. Mom made a mistake here. Or you know what, you guys, I was wrong. I can own it. Um, because it doesn't take away, there isn't shame with it, right? It's almost like you're better for owning and being accountable. And then the flip side is that there are times where my students will be like, oh, doing this this way is just, da, 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 and, or, or even my kids, mom, do we have to do this? It doesn't even make sense. And being able to take a step back and going, yeah, why are, why do we do it this way? Let's change it. And then it's like the shock factor of like, really, we can change it. Why not? Let's change it. You know, I had a, Last night, for example, Tuesday nights, I have a night class and um, it's communicational change. And so they have this major group project and our class is three hours long. And I said, last night I walked in and I said, all right, get in your groups and we're going to do this project. And, you know, group projects bring a lot of anxiety for students. And I said, by the end of this three hours, we're going to have this done. You guys are going to submit it. And they all looked at me like helter skelter. Like, what did she just say? What are we doing? There's no way like the anxiety was through the roof. And I said, no, I'm going to walk you through this as if we were in the workplace and this is what we're doing. And by the end of the three hours, they were all like, all right, can we do the next assignment like this? Um, but I think it's the beauty of we're in it together, right? How do we solve together? How do we collaborate together? And the more we can do that, the more we can walk through it and do be open to sometimes we've done things or the way we do things isn't the best way. And as things evolve, so do methods and processes. So we have to be able to pivot at any point in the junction. Well, and I like how you're talking about this with your students, but also with your family. And I think for the listeners, while some of them may actually have these teenage to college student age kids, um, some may not, some may not even be parents. And, and so I'd like to ask you, we all have to have, or likely have the opportunity to have tough conversations. And so it sounds like you have a few, call it tools or nuances on how to have those tough conversations, whether they're what you were talking about earlier. It's, you know, open up, I'd say open up a newspaper, but who does that anymore, right? right? Like go to your Apple News on your phone and what is the issue of the day? There are plenty that we can talk about where we're going to have conflicting views and may or may not be at some houses the dinner table conversation. Uh, However, it does bring an opportunity, whether it's your dinner table or with a group of friends um, or just out in public to be able to have those hard conversations in a meaningful way that's not hurtful to others. Can you give us some thoughts on that? For sure. I always say great leaders aren't afraid to have tough conversations, right? So I think I learned, I had a mentor, Kathy Behrens, who I adore. She's now, like, I think one of the presidents of the NBA, um, player development and uh, player programming. She's incredible. She told me early in my career, she said, do not come with a problem without a solution. So I love that because 
sometimes we don't have the solution, but it makes us think before we have a tough conversation, right? So I always say that, that, hey, we got to have some tough conversations regardless. And even it doesn't matter if you're in the workplace, if it's your neighbor, if it's your, you know, you're checking out the grocery store and, hey, I'm supposed to have like, you know, a rain check for this or whatever, and they don't have it. And now you don't want to say anything, but that's really the whole reason you went to the store um, to, what, to whatever the, you know, the context is. But offer that solution because if you go into it, it disarms the tough conversation, right? Because it's, hey, now, are you going to have jerks that are just going to be jerks? For sure. But that's with everything. I recently actually dealt with a situation with my daughter and a coach where he's just not the most reasonable person. And I was really proud of her as she went and had a really tough conversation and called him out on some things. And he was completely disarmed because people don't expect people to have tough conversations. And she wasn't disrespectful. She did it with a smile. She did it with an even tone. And to the point where he was by the end, like saying, oh, no, no, you're wonderful. You're amazing. This is not you. I've got to do a better job of this. And I think that when we have tough conversations with sugar and solutions, we disarm people. I love that smile, even tone, sugar, and what was the other one? Sugar and solutions and solutions. S and S, sugar and solutions. There you I'm go. Writing it down. I love that. Thank you. And I think it's it's just such great advice because no matter where you are in life, even if you're non-confrontational, there are going to be opportunities. And in this case, oh, how beautiful it is that you you've taught a teenager to have a voice. And because she said it, whether it was eloquent or not, her tone was good. She wasn't being abrasive about it. Um, she started a conversation and actually found out maybe she didn't think that the coach, maybe she thought it was on her, but the coach was taking accountability for it. So that's pretty powerful. So um, I will say there is one, um, one way that I end this podcast, and it's very special to me. I think a lot of people in the wellness world that are focusing on their well-being really looking for tools to help them get through the day-to-day. And that might be mindfulness, that might be prayer, or that might be gratitude. And that's a, a very special element to me. My son and I, when he was nine, I believe he was trying just to stay up a little bit later. So when I said, ooh, let's go through this gratitude journal that I got and talk about it, we were on to something. What started out as us just listing off what we were grateful for and why ended up after we made it a practice and we did it most days, we would look through our days looking for good, looking for things that we could share that we were grateful for and then bring it back, you know, bring it to the table at dinner or bring it at night to go to bed. So I like to close out each episode, not that we need to play a full game. And for those that are listening, I encourage you to take a moment, whether it's now or whether you're sitting in your car later, you know, the older the kids get, they're not they necessarily are going to want to share their world and all their spirits before bed at a certain time. Do it when you can, because tapping into this, call it positivity or just little things that make you smile can really be healing when you're going through something hard. And when it seems like the sky is falling, but you can look around you and see little things. So Nita, before we close out, I would love to know, um, what is something in the last 24 hours that you were grateful for and why? I definitely am grateful for 
and I know this is cliche, but I would say my family and because, um, and the gift of humor, um, we are always roasting on each other in this family. And no matter how crazy the day is, um, there's something about laughter that just makes it all better. Right. And it's listen at the expense of each other, um, which makes it even better. Um, and it's fun, you know, I, I, Tuesday nights, my class is late. I came home, you know, I walked, I left the house at 645. I walked in, it was almost nine o'clock at night. And, you know, I was going through the refrigerator, like I hadn't ate in a year. And my husband was like, oh, look, the goat's home, you know, the Billy goat. Cause I was like, okay, there's some of this left, some of this left, some of this left. And it's like, we all just started laughing and then it just started the roast. So I am grateful for that gift of humor that is constantly, um, when you walk in through our front door. I love that. I love, however you find humor, like some people, like you're funny, you can pull it off. I always laugh. I'm like, I'm not that funny. (laughs) However, the way I find humor is I still, I don't know if you remember, I used in my 20s, I loved Adam Sandler. Yeah. Uh, It's been years since I've watched a lot of Adam Sandler movies, but I love all those Saturday Night Live um, actors and actresses and the sketches they do and the silly sitcoms that you see on TV, like, they make me laugh and sometimes uncontrollably. Um, my husband's pretty funny too. So, uh, so I get maybe the humor comes in there, but I think humor is such a powerful tool uh, just to get through the day. So I love that. So Nita, thank you so thank much you. for being here today. And for all of those that are listening out, thank you so much for joining. Um, please know that we are here to help you take small steps towards finding whether it's better health or happiness and just figuring out how to smile during whatever journey that you're going on in life. So thanks again, and bye for now, everyone. One more thing. I would be so grateful if you'd take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe. You leaving a review helps us with our podcast ranking. The higher we are ranked, the more people can discover our show. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm sending you lots of happiness and great health.